Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Uh, question for you. You got any golf fans in the room? I mean, not that many golf fans, huh? Every I thought everybody's a golf fan that lives in Georgia during Masters Week, right? Who's been to Who's been to Augusta? All right, fantastic. All right, pretty pretty amazing, right? Yeah. Pretty amazing. Had the uh, <clears throat> Had the chance to go out there on Monday. Was thinking about that, and was just thinking about the awe. Anybody, the awe that you just sense and feel, right? One of the things I brought, uh, I had to, uh, some friends come down from Massachusetts, and they were they were walking in with us. And uh, one of them, it was his first time. One hadn't been in like 15 years. And we're walking through the gates, and there's these big crowds, you know, and, and you're coming from the from these from this parking lot, right? Which you've just parked for free. And you're just thinking, well, they could have tried. You know, you're looking at all the money they could have made, right? But they don't do it. Um, yeah, they're making plenty, right? Elsewhere, but, um, um, but, uh, and we're walking in, and there's this big mob, and I turn to my buddy, I go, listen to how quiet it is. Everyone's walking in there with such reverence, right? And such awe. And I was just thinking about, I, I was just thinking about that, and I was thinking about, you know, people go there, and and what is it that 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 when you go to Augusta it blows you away? What is it? The azaleas. The price of the food. Price of the food. That's that's very good. Yes. Do we have a five dollar breakfast? We're doing pretty good right here too, Jay. You know. Um, right. But people say it's just perfect. What excellence! They, yeah, and they look at it and they say, Jesus, it's absolute perfection. And it's excellence in all they do. And it was interesting because I was, the song that just came on is called Good Good Father. Anybody heard that song, Good Good Father? And, and I was thinking about, it, and, and, you know, who, did, who was here for Easter? I mean, wasn't it amazing to be on campus here on Easter? Just a, just tremendous turnout. Uh, we went to Chapel Roswell, tremendous service. It was fantastic. And during Easter, they had played that song, Good Good Father. Um, that, that was just played. And, and it says, uh, for you're a good, good father, you're perfect in all of your ways. And I just wonder, every day, we get to engage with the living God. We get to engage with perfect, uh, you know, he's perfect, he's good in all his ways, he's excellent, yet, you know, I feel like I should bring some of that reverence and that awe that I bring when I walk through those gates at Augusta to my time of worship and prayer with God, it pales in comparison. It pales in comparison. And I just, it was just something that, uh, something that struck me, so. Um, well, I hope you enjoy the Masters Tournament. It's going to be fantastic this year. With the wind blowing, it's going to be, uh, very unpredictable, so. Um, okay. Um, so I wanted to, uh, just touch briefly real quick, um, on a couple of things, I, I, I'm going to, um, you know, we're going right now, and I asked Mike, Mike's going to speak, uh, share with us today, and I've gotten the chance to know Mike through the, uh, our time serving on first restoring God's temple committee, and then redeeming God's temple committee, and, um, you know, I've just, uh, 
I've enjoyed working with him and um, you know he's his faithful servant and a passionate disciple and I thought he would be perfect to share during this time um, you know for those uh, that may not be familiar well uh, the church is going through a um, uh, campaign right now called redeeming God's temple um, something's moving over there um, anyways um, Mike um, redeeming God's temple where we're trying to uh, raise enough money to to pay off our debt for the church and it's amazing we've already raised over seven hundred thousand dollars you know you you have given the church has given over seven hundred thousand dollars but that's not quite where we need to be in order to do this and you know I'm not sure what Mike has has in store to talk about I know he's determined he really feels led and called for us to follow him and to pay off this debt. And so one I want to want to thank everybody for their generosity. I mean, I I I said I talked to Mike and and I said, "Mike, you know, this is amazing. This is amazing. I mean, look at all look at all the church has done so far. You know, this is amazing and and we have so much to be grateful for. We may not be there yet and we may not, you know, approach the halfway point, but this is I mean, we're just so blessed. And we have such a generous and faithful congregation. And so, very excited about that. I would ask you, if you have not supported that yet, I'll ask you directly, if you would prayerfully consider doing that. I would ask you, if you have supported that, I would ask you to prayerfully consider digging a little deeper. Okay? Wouldn't ask you to do something I've already done. Alright? So... I really believe, and I want to read. Uh, I want to read some scripture before I turn it over to Mike. I really believe that, you know, Mike really believes that God's calling us to do this. Just talk to him one on one. You can see it in his eyes. And um, and uh, and we've done a lot already, and I'm and I'm very grateful for that. But I want to read some scripture. And this scripture, I heard a sermon, and I'm going to send it out to you all. I sent it to Mike. Um, uh, Mike, I gave Mike a book a few years ago called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. He's used it in some of his sermons, uh, or he's referenced it in some of his sermons. And I listen to Robert regularly, so he's one of the, I download, I like to listen to podcasts of sermons on my way to work. I gotta commute. And, and Robert did one, and, and he, and he referenced this sermon. Uh, he referenced this scripture, and I'll send it out so everybody can hear it. And it's Malachi 3. Okay, which we're all familiar with, but he, and what it says is, um, um, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how will we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Almighty, Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not, that there will not be room enough to store it. Okay? And what Robert talked about, we've all heard that talked about before, right? We've all, we've all heard this scripture. And what he talked about is, I think sometimes when I first heard that scripture, you know, it kind of convicted me and, you know, maybe, you know, um, you know, think about, am I robbing God? You know, because that first time I heard this, I wasn't, you know, just every time I hear it, it makes me think about that, right? Um, but what he's talking about, you're not, what we're, what we're not robbing God of 
in this sermon, he talks about not robbing God of the money. God doesn't. It's God's money. He doesn't need our money. What we're robbing God of is the opportunity to bless us through our obedience. Okay? He wants to bless us. That's what he wants to do. Because he is a good, good father. And he is perfect in all of his ways. So, I know we didn't come here for the Redeeming God's Temple Town Hall meeting. Uh, I want to thank you for your, I want to thank you for your faithfulness so far. I want to thank you for your generosity. And I want you to please pray, I'm going to ask you to please prayerfully consider, um, the level of, the level of support you've provided. And, uh, please ask you to consider digging a little deeper. So, thank you for that. And with that, I'll turn over to my friend Mike. Um, Mike, so much, so glad that, uh, you're going to share with us today. I appreciate it. Mike, you know, I will say, I, um, you know, I, it's been great serving with you and I've enjoyed getting to know you. That's one of the beauties of when you get to, when you, when you serve on these committees or you serve in any leadership position in the church, you just get to make a lot of new friends, you know? And, um, so Mike, it's, uh, it's uh, been a pleasure and, and I'm grateful for you to share with us today. Thanks. All right. Thanks. I had not planned on on sharing anything on redeeming God's temple, restoring God's temple, any of that. But if there are questions, I'll be more than happy to talk about it. But I think probably uh, we're all fairly familiar with it. But um, so I'm not I'm not going to maybe more than mention it this morning. Um, three or four weeks ago, when Tim called and said, "Hey, would you would you speak uh, to the group this morning?" My first reaction was, "I don't really have a story to tell." Um, and, and Tim said, everybody's got a story. And, and yeah, yeah, we all have a story. But it's nicer if your story is uplifting, outstanding, um, fantastic. I, I don't have any of that. Probably most of us don't, if, if the truth be told. But I definitely don't have any of that. Um, no lightning flashes, temporary blindness. Didn't have lunch with the lions lately. And last time um, I walked into a hot furnace, I didn't come out the other side looking just fine. So... Very ordinary, normal, but I think probably 90% of us in here fit in that category. There's a, there's a few saints, no doubt, but um, I, I don't class myself among them. Very ordinary, normal life. I, I grew up going to church. It's not like I woke up one day and and Angel was sitting there and said, Hey, let's talk about this. Didn't That didn't happen that way. I just grew up going to church. We always went to church. You know, cut out five or so years around college, I mean... Every Sunday, I was there. Um, now, there's more to going to church than going to church. You show up once a week, you know, Sunday, usually you show up. I mean, there, there's more to it than that. Early on, to be honest, I didn't get it. I mean, I, I was there Sunday, so, I, you know, I, I checked the box. I'm in, I'm in good shape. I'll, you know, I'll be in that line at, uh, on the last day. I'll be, I'll be okay about that. Um, it's just, it was a habit. It's, it's Sunday morning. Oh gosh, Jesus, nine o'clock. I better hurry and get dressed and go to church. That, that's the way it was with me. As a kid, we always went to church. Even, even after, after a kid, I, I always went to church. It was a habit. You could, you could have a worse habit, no doubt, but it really isn't what church is about. I know that now. I didn't know that then. 
I was raised Catholic. I know um, Alan Kennedy's not here this morning. Anybody else raised Catholic? Tim. Oh, okay, lots. So if some of the stuff I say doesn't sound quite right, you know, raise your hand and call me on it because I'm I'm truthfully telling you the way I remember things. But things are different now. Um, you, you know, a lot of things have changed, and maybe my memory's a bit foggy on some of this. So I definitely not trying to um, bash Catholicism by any stretch of the imagination. So if I say something sounds a little odd. Uh, Holler at me about it. Um, things are different in, in the Catholic Church. Um, now, these days, the Mass is in English. I think that's a good thing. Um, you, you can have meat on Friday except during Lent. That never bothered me. I mean, I, I thought, I mean, I get the Good Friday connection. I, I understand that. I never thought that was a cult or whatever, an odd sort of thing. That, that, I, that suited me just fine. Um, for a while, and I think, when I was a kid, this wasn't the case, but for a while, and I think it's still the case, you can go to church on Saturday and get credit for going on Sunday uh, in the Catholic Church. I think that's still the way it is. I always thought that was a little bit odd, but hey, if it got you to church, you know, more power to you. It didn't, didn't bother me that much, but I, I did think it was a bit peculiar. There were a lot of rules to follow being a Catholic. It was very structured. I was an altar boy, as we call it, and and in those days, I don't know today, but in all those days, to be an altar boy, you had to be a boy. You, you know, girls couldn't be there. Were, there weren't altar girls. You had to be an altar boy, and I, I was. I was. I was an altar boy. Um, the mass was in Latin, so my responses were in Latin. The priest said Dominus Dominus Vobiscum. I said Ecumenspiri two two o. Didn't have a clue at that time. Didn't have a clue what I was saying. None of us did. None of us cared. I mean, it, it was in the book. When the guy said this, you said that. You ring the bell. You do. You do things. That's just how it was. It was very, very structured. None of us questioned it. Um, we just, you know, we just, we just went with the flow. I attended um, parochial school, Catholic school through through the eighth grade. Um, we had nuns as teachers. Um, as I remember, none of the nuns that I had really encouraged questions. It was just, here's, here's how it is. Kids, sit down, shut up, and, and, and realize these things. We had catechism class. The answers were, lit, were written in the book. We literally memorized the answers. Nobody, um, in my recollection, it was not encouraged to discuss this. Now, we were little kids, I know, so you couldn't, how, how deep could you get involved in this? But it was more um, robotic, more being trained. You know, this is this is this is how we do things, and 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 this is what you need to learn. Is, is that the way you guys remember it? I mean, it was. It, it, I'm not saying it was all bad. I mean, I I learned a lot of things, but I I just think there's probably a better way of, of doing it. I I by and large, I mean, when the, the nuns were. Um, Strict. I mean, you could definitely get your knuckles wrapped with with a ruler if you know for talking or doing something you shouldn't do. So today, I suppose there'd be a lot of nuns in jail. I don't know, but, but that was quite normal for us in in those days. Now, it's, it's an exaggeration to say I followed all the rules all the time, but by and large, I did. Um, I I was raised with uh, a sense of respect and admiration and. Uh, of, of, of adults, of people in responsible charge. You know, you, you just, you, you, you treated them right. That's, that's just what you did as a kid. And so I, I did. I, I by and large followed the rules and treated, you know, treated those people like I felt they should be treated. 
but in overall, my religious experience was was very structured. There was there was one way of doing it, and by golly, that's how you're going to do it. And I did do it. I was born in Indiana, West Terre Haute, not Terre Haute, West Terre Haute. It's, I mean, Terre Haute wasn't that big. West Terre Haute definitely wasn't that big. It, it's a it was it's a small little town. I, I don't know if village is a better name, but it was. Um, it was nice, it was small, but it was um, uh, rural, I guess is the word. I was the first child uh, of my parents and the first grandchild um, in the family. We had a very rustic house out in out in the country. Here we, we'd say out in the sticks. It was it was out in the country. We're about two hundred yards from my um, my my dad's dad my dad's grandparents. We were about two hundred yards from them. Ma and Pa is, is what we called. Um, my my great grandparents, my dad's my dad's dad's parents were Ma and Pa. Um, I'm pretty sure our house. Um, my dad is no longer living. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we had an indoor bathroom. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure we did. I don't remember trudging through the snow at two in the morning to go take a pee or anything. You so I remember that. I, I think so too, Roger. <laughs> so that's why I'm pretty sure we did have an indoor bathroom. But I know from. Family pictures. In, in doing this, I, I looked at some old family pictures. There's a picture of my brother and I in a in a in a galvanized tub on the kitchen counter getting a bath. So either either we didn't have a bathtub, probably did, or that was a we were especially dirty that day. I don't know, but it but we we definitely didn't have a lot of the uh, the niceties. Probably none of us did. Had a lot of the niceties that that we have today. Um. Let me see. Um, my mom, my mom's, my mom's mom died when, when she was a child, so clearly I didn't know her. My mom's dad died when I was quite young, so with pictures I knew him, but I but I really didn't know him. I only know him through pictures. It's a different story about my mom, my dad's parents, uh, grandma and grandpa, as as we called them. We spent a lot of time with them as um, as kids. They lived in town. We were out in the country. They lived in town uh, in, in a one-bedroom house that they lived in I, 50, 60, 70 years. I don't know, forever they lived in that house. One one bedroom. Um, Grandma was a saint. She really was. <laughs> now I'm going to get choked up. I do this a lot, so don't... don't. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> uh, but she, she was a saint. She would, she'd dig potatoes out in the country at Ma's and Pa's. Um, she'd stoke the furnace. It was a coal. You heated your house with coal in those days. She'd stoke the furnace in the winter. She'd patch the roof in the summer. She'd cut the grass. She'd, she'd do it all. Not that my grandfather did, didn't do anything. I don't mean that. He did. But I'm just trying to emphasize that she, she was the type of person who, if it needed to be done, she was, <laughs> she was first in line to do it, and she she was a good person. She um she sewed magnificently. She you know she made made most of her own clothes. Um she she was something. She seldom missed a day at church, and I don't just mean Sunday. I mean she she went most every day to church. That that's just how she was. She was she was a wonderful role model. My grandpa. He, he was a jokester. Um, my brother and I, we, we, you know, we were, we were little kids. I don't know, six, eight years old, whatever. We'd oftentimes, uh, we'd be out in the country. We'd go into town. We'd camp out in their backyard. We'd pitch a tent in the backyard. Not, not, there kind of wasn't room in the house. There was, but, but it was just kind of fun. So, you know, we would, we would set up tent in the backyard. And my grandpa, he'd, he'd find a way to get a, a rope under, underneath the sleeping bag, underneath the tent, whatever it was. And it, 
Two in the morning, he'd come out and he'd pull on that rope and yell snake. And, you know, two wide-eyed kids would come, come running out of the tent. I mean, that happened many, enough times that we knew it was going to happen, but we didn't want to disappoint Grandpa, so we, we came out all scared anyway. When I was really little, um, I have five or less, I don't know, um, my Grandpa worked in a coal mine. And there, there was a coal mine in Indiana. I guess maybe we think they're all in West Virginia, but there was a coal mine on the Wabash River in Indiana. Um, he was the pit boss. Now, I don't know everything that that means, but I know that means he had responsibility for the dynamite. And you can maybe see where this is going. Um, in those days, you know, you, 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 you drilled a hole, um, you know, put some, put some dynamite in there, went, went around the corner, you know, lit the fuse, or well, lit the fuse, went around the corner, and Boom! And then um, you you go in and you collect all the the coal chunks that came from the ceiling, the the walls, where, wherever you happen to set the charge. Obviously, you had to do it right. Um, if if you if you did it wrong, you know the whole mine would be down on top of you. But he pretty much knew what he was doing, and and most of them survived. It wasn't, um, I suppose, all that dangerous. It was if you didn't know what you were doing, but they they pretty much um, knew what you were doing. So you load all that coal in, in a little trolley car. It, it makes its way, um, it gets pulled with an engine, makes its way up to the mouth of the mine. And you go back and you do it again. And you, and you do that all day long. Um, today, I'm sure OSHA would shut them down in a heartbeat. Uh, but they, they did fine, by and large. You, I don't know if you know, but they took a little bird down with them. because And if this bird had difficulty breathing or unfortunately were to die, I mean, you got the heck out. Maybe you came upon a pocket of gas that you didn't know was there. Maybe maybe just the CO2 wasn't going out just, just from you breathing. But this, this little bird would tell you when, when it was time to leave. So that was, um, today I guess we'd have nine sensors and 14 laser guns and whatever else. But this little, this little uh, I think... A canary. This little canary uh, would do just fine, warning you when when it was time to get out. Well, just a well, I'll 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 leave that for the end. Uh, but one time, um, my brother and I, we were probably about nine years old, and my grandfather, um, he was shoot, shooting stumps. So when, when a tree goes down, obviously there's a stump, and you want to get rid of the stump. And sometimes they're big old trees. So what you do, you dig a hole under, put some dynamite, boom. And and now it's loosened up. You hook it onto it with the tractor or the truck, whatever, and and you pull it out. So he was shooting stumps out at Ma and Paul's. We, my brother and I, we, you know, we we're a couple hundred yards away, so he called for us to come and help him. And we should have known, but we we came to help. So he, my grandpa, he goes out and you know prepares the dynamite. Brother and I help him hand him the dynamite, whatever we were doing. We help him set the charge. He sends us off around the barn, just you know, to be safe. There's going to be junk, dirt coming down on top of everybody's head, so he wants us kids to be safe, so around the corner we go. He says, lighten the fuse. Okay, fine. And my brother and I are back there waiting and waiting and waiting a little bit more and nothing's happening. And then pretty soon Grandpa says, guys, we're kids, uh, you know, come, come help me, I can't get up. And he had gout, big time gout, a lot. And so it wasn't impossible for him not to be able to get up. So my brother and I, um, you know, with our superhero costumes on, we go around the corner of the barn, head over to Grandpa, and then we saw the fuse. 
And we looked at one another, and we were trying to decide, are we going to save Grandpa, or are we going to save ourselves? And and before we had to make that decision, thank heavens, Grandpa hops up, comes and gets us, you know, one under each arm around the barn, and we listen for the boom, and then, then we get rid of that stump. Constantly he was doing stuff like that. <laughs> I, that's just that's just the way he was, and I guess I get maybe get a little bit of that from him. I I, I don't know, but he that's how he was anyway. He was a, a loving, caring, giving person. He would do and did do anything for you, 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 any anybody. He would he would take care of them if they needed something to eat. They needed fifty cents, whatever it was. He he would take care of them. That's just how he was. But he didn't go to church. My grandma had the front row seat. Grandpa, he didn't, he wasn't even in the back row seat. I never had any doubt my grandma, she'd be up somewhere near the front of the line on, on that last day, um, to say hey to St. Peter. Now in the Catholic Church, they were, we were all Catholic. In the Catholic Church, um, if you die with unforgiven venial sins, you make a pit stop in purgatory before you can get to heaven. That's, Okay, that's that's fine, I suppose. Um, if you die with a um, an unforgiven mortal sin, um, you you cannot get into heaven. Venial sin, telling a lie, hey, no big deal. You know, three days in purgatory, you'll be just fine. Come on in. If you die with a mortal sin, you're just you're just flat out of luck. You're just not getting in the door. Not going to church was a mortal sin. <laughs> so you know, here uh, I'm a little kid. I know this because it was on page three of the catechism. I know this is right. And so my grandpa, he's not going to be in that line. And that, that bothered me. It bothered me a lot. I no longer believe that today, but still, it's, it's a little bit troubling. Um, so anyway, that maybe, I'm not sure, maybe that was the start of me questioning things just a smidgen um, on, on the Catholic um Upbringing. Um, I'm not too far off the mark on this. What I'm saying, right? I, that's kind of maybe that was the start of me wondering: Is all this exactly right? I, I don't know. Um. So we we were in Indiana, living in the country, and my dad he ultimately took a job in construction of power plants. He started out as as a, a worker, I guess, a welder, a, a pretty good one, but a welder nonetheless, and ultimately moved up into management. Um, of um, building these power plants with a company called Foster Wheeler, which a company that I, I ultimately joined. So for about the next eight years, I'm not sure how old I was, but, you know, third, fourth grade, something like. And for the next eight or so years through high school, I know that, we um, we went on the road. Um, my mom, dad, brother, and myself, you know, we, we had a trailer. We, we didn't have, we got... Uh, they got a trailer, it was 30 feet long, 8 foot wide, um, and that's what we lived in f- for several years. Um, eventually, uh, we graduated, or they, I guess parents really, graduated to a 42 foot long trailer, 8 foot wide, and, and, and that's what we lived in. I suppose in hindsight we were, you know, we were trailer trash and didn't know it. I don't know if we were. I mean, we, we were just fine as far as I could tell. Everybody treated us fine, we treated them fine. But in hindsight, maybe maybe we were a little bit that way. I, I don't know. Um, then, so we, anyway, the forty-two foot trailer that was fifty percent longer than the other one. Hey, we had we now we had a lot of room. But if, if you think about it, I mean, eight feet is well, it's wider than the tables. Put maybe two tables together and either thirty or forty-two feet long. It's it's not a lot of room. And then um, and there were four of us. 
and then pretty soon there were five of us. My sister came along. So for us, um, my brother and I, I, maybe that was a good thing, even though we had no need for a girl, and, and, and let our, my parents remind me that we let, let them know that, but you, you couldn't, you know, Amazon wouldn't take it back, so you, you had, you had a sister. But what that did, my brother and I, we, you know, we shared the, I don't know, the, a small bedroom on this trailer. And, and then on, and then my sister came along, so she got our bed, my, my brother and I, I don't know, less than double size bed, whatever, it wasn't, it was bigger than single, but not double, but, um, anyway, my sister came, so she basically, after, after she was big enough, she kicked us out of our bed, which put us in my mom and dad's bed, which put them on the couch, on, on a fold out sleeper sofa on the couch. And that's, that's how we live. Today, I don't know, you consider that child abuse or what, but today, you know, it's just, it's just foreign, but that's, that's just how it was. You don't know what you don't have if you don't have it. And I'm not complaining, we had wonderful lives, but it's, it's just different than, than most of us, most of us had. With all this moving, um, every year, ju- just about literally every year, we would move to the next town. It'd take about a year to build one of these power plants. So for the next eight years, every year we'd move. I mean, us kids, we did fine. We didn't, we really didn't know any better. It was hard on my mom for darn sure. But it, it, um, if us kids, we, we were fine about it. But in hindsight, I didn't know it at the time, but in hindsight, it, it stopped us as a family from bonding with any one church. We always went to church. It was St. Peter's this year, St. Paul's the next year, whatever, whatever, whatever. It was always church, but it was a different church. It wasn't, wasn't one where you had a, uh, like our Sunday school class is wonderful. We did, we didn't have that as kids growing up. So, we all, we did still continue to go to church and, and in, um, about, um, uh, near the high school, no, eighth grade, eighth grade, we, we moved to Florida, you know, still in the trailer and whatnot. Um, we started out in West Palm, then we moved to Cocoa, then we moved to Miami. And, um, about, and I graduated high school in Miami. So at, at that time, you know, I, I went off to school. My parents, they, they stayed moving. They went over to Fort Myers, then back to Miami and pretty much settled down in Miami for, for a number of years. The first time we got to Miami, um, we, uh, rented a house. We were going to be there for more than two years. So made sense, I guess, uh, for us to rent a house. So that was nice. I mean, we were used, you know, lots of room, but I, I promptly packed my bags and went off, went up to Gainesville to go to school. So I didn't, I didn't get to, uh, enjoy it all that much, I guess. But even at school, you know, I continued to go to the Catholic Church. Not every, not every Sunday by any means, but, but I did still go. But now, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not the robot blindly accepting everything. I'm starting to wonder about a thing or two. But still went to church because you know, that's just what you did. Um, Susan, my wife, we met in 1970, 1971, my senior year at the University of Florida. We dated for a few months and then, then I graduated and then we had a, a long distance relationship. She would come and visit or I would go and visit her. But it wasn't, um, you know, obviously a little different than it, than it was in school. In 73, um, my job, uh, now, now I'm with Foster Wheeler, the same company my dad was doing power plant stuff. A little different than he did, but power plant stuff. 73, um, um, my job brought me back to Florida on purpose. I wanted, I, I liked Florida. I wanted to get back to Florida. So, we went back to Florida. Susan had graduated, and she was working in uh, in Daytona. 
I was stationed in Orlando, and that, you know, that they're they're relatively close to one another, so so that you know that worked out pretty good. Um, we got married. <laughs> we got married, but we got engaged um, very shortly back in seventy three. You know, shortly after I um, got back to Florida, uh, we got married just uh, engaged just before Christmas. Uh, there's a story about the ring, but someday I'll tell you that. But it's not it's not worth mentioning today. But um, we got engaged, and this is Christmas, just just before Christmas. Um, we from uh, we were quite practical, I, I guess you would say. Um, my apartment lease was uh, due to be up in February, a couple whatever two months later. So that set the wedding date. We, we we figured, what the heck, you know? Neither of us had any money. We you know we made, just made sense, you know one. One apartment rent instead of two, so today I, I don't suppose that would matter. Um, you know, it's today you don't even have to get married, I guess. But but then, <laughs> but then that was kind of the thing to do. So um, we decided we we would get married in February. Now in uh, this, and, and, and it absolutely was not true. But but in, in looking back, probably both sets of parents wondered, hmm, getting married in two months. I wonder what's going on with them. That was absolutely not the case, as because we actually ended up, I forget, several years later, adopting our first child, our daughter, because we we couldn't get pregnant. But looking back, I bet I bet the parents both had thoughts, but was it wasn't the case. Anyway, that that was the days of gas rationing. Gas rationing. Did you did y'all have that here in Georgia? I guess everybody did. Yeah. I mean, we in Florida it was hard, and and maybe it was equally hard here. Maybe it was more hard here. But on on the basis of your license plate, you you got you were able to get gas um, Tuesday and Thursday, whatever whatever the heck it was. And and I shouldn't say get gas. You're able to get in line to get gas. And usually, when you got up to the front of the line, usually you got gas, but not always. Um, so, you know, here, you know, we're getting married. We're in the middle of the state. Susan's parents are up in Tallahassee, way up there. Mine are in Miami, way down there. So it made sense to get married in the middle so both families could, you know, could arrive, you know, not have a lot of trouble getting gas and and that was okay susan was fine with that everybody if, if anybody w- was not fine they didn't mention it so it it, it seemed fine uh, that 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 was the plan get married um in or around um orlando um we i at least i always figured um we'd get married in the catholic church that's just how it was going to be and susan she was fine with that she didn't she was methodist uh, she didn't it was okay though she she didn't mind that so um, we um, we only had a couple of months to spare, so we hustled off for premarital counseling at, at the Catholic Church. One thing um, that they um, uh, made us promise uh, is that any children would be raised Catholic. We we you know we were honest and and we said well they'll be Christian for sure. I'm not sure it's going to be Catholic. And, and so, you know, we were shown the door. Very nicely, it wasn't, I'm making, I'm exaggerating just a little bit. But we, we, anyway, we, the Catholic Church wasn't an option. We were not gonna, you know, prick our fingers, sign in blood, you know, Catholic kids coming. We weren't, we, we weren't gonna do that. So, plan B, Susan had a, co- a cousin who was an Episcopal minister in Jacksonville. And Jacksonville, of course, up top of the state, pretty handy for Susan's parents, not so good for mine. So we said, hey, um, Barnum, can you come down here, middle of the state, and, and marry us down here? I can't. There's some, there was some 
problem. It had to be in his jurisdiction, his area, his church, something. So he couldn't come down to us, so Jacksonville was out. So no, no, not so good on plan B. Plan C, Susan was in, uh, living in DeLand, working in Daytona. She had started, um, I don't know, a couple of months. So she had started attending the Methodist church in DeLand. So she went to talk to that um, minister, and, and he was fine, of course, certainly. You know, come on in. We're, uh, we'll be very happy to, to, to deal with you guys, to marry you and whatnot. That was, so that that's, was my initial exposure to the Methodist church. We weren't um, super active in that church only because very shortly after, maybe not only, but because um, shortly after that, we I got reassigned to New Jersey, the home office of, of, of our company. <laughs> Roger's been to New Jersey, <laughs> so um, we didn't we didn't do much in that church, but we did still. I mean, we were we were now I at least I well Susan always was, and I'm now I'm signed on with the Methodist Church. So we you know in the in New Jersey, the little town we lived in, we you know walked in the door of the Methodist Church and um, started attending there. Uh, we were not uh, we were married we didn't know no children or anything but i guess we were young and looked stupid or something but we were asked to help with the youth group so we did we 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 helped with that for several years um about 4 years later we i guess we'd saved enough money whatever it was we moved to a i guess a, a real house you know more more near the office more more handy for for my work and we started, uh, of course, attending the uh, the Methodist Church there, at, you know, at at, at, the, at this new location. About two years after that, um, we had an opportunity to move to Ireland. My with I did um, with my job. Um, by the way, all this time Susan is an occupational therapist. Um, she that's when she graduated the University of Florida. As today she's an accountant, but but in, in those days she was an occupational therapist. So she was working at Kessler, which. You probably don't know because I didn't know, but it, it's a it's a famous um, re- rehab center. Uh, Superman went there to get fixed up when when he had trouble. So it, it was actually a prestigious place, and and that's where she was working. So anyway, I have a chance to go to Ireland um, to head up a little company that that our parent company had over there. So I thought it was a pretty good opportunity. Susan agreed. So. Um, we, after about two years in this new house, new church, um, we pack up and we head for Ireland. We had our two-year-old daughter on, on this arm, well, holding her hand over here, and our Susan was carrying our six-month-old son, Brian, in, in this arm. So we had pretty little kids. Um, funny, but, you know, Brian was born here, born in the States, um, on St. Patrick's Day. And um, his first birthday was in in Killarney, in you know in Ireland. They had a parade for him and everything. It was really cool. <laughs> made us made us feel very welcome. But the truth is, the the parades are bigger here than there. It's more religious there, and here it's it's a good excuse to have green beer, I think. So, but we you know we in, we enjoyed that. We we were in um, in the Republic of Ireland, the south of Ireland, not Northern Ireland, but you know Northern Ireland's a relatively small part. Everything else is the Republic, and that's predominantly Catholic, like like way predominantly Catholic. The town we lived in, Ennis is the name of the town on the, on the west coast, County Clare, um, small town, uh, no no Methodist church. I mean, I, the Catholic church. I mean, that's that's where you went. If you know you, of course you go to the Catholic church, and we did not every day, not every Sunday by any stretch of the imagination, but we did attend. 
One thing I remember, it was literally right across, there were, I mean, there's a pub every four or five steps, but right across the street from this church was a, a popular pub, and toward the end, the men would sort of, they'd be migrating, you know, back toward the back, because they, they definitely wanted to have the first pint at 12.01 or whatever time the place opened, and I, I, I thought that was kind of, kind of comical. Um, so... A little over two years later, we moved back to New Jersey. That you know, our assignment there was over. The company was doing just fine. Everything was good. So we, we moved back to New Jersey and back into the same house that we left. We we knew we'd only be gone for a short time, and and it's a good thing um, we kept that house because we we couldn't have afforded it when we got back. The, the prices were just going crazy. So we we were real happy about that. We had rented it while we were gone. It was taken care of. Everything everything was good. Um. So we quickly connected, reconnected with the community, with the church, um, CUMC, Chatham United Methodist Church, and um, we got, you know, deeper as the kids grew, we got more and more involved there. Um, Susan and I were both on several boards and committees. I added ushering and um, teaching kids Sunday school to my resume. So it, it was a good thing. We, we, were, we were getting entrenched, I guess, in the Methodist Church. Then in 1995, um, our company decided to regionalize the power plant part of, of our business. We divided the, the U.S. into four regions, and um, each of those regions had P, uh, profit and loss, P&L responsibility. So you kind of had your own company in your part of, of, of the U.S. I mean, you, you had responsibility to the folks up north, but I mean, as long as you keep sending money, they were, they were pretty happy. You could kind of do whatever you wanted to do. So... I like that idea. Both of our families were in Florida, so we we um, kind of scooted to the front of the line to come to come to the southeast region, and and that's what we did. The day after Thanksgiving in 1995, um, we, you know, we we showed up in Atlanta. Um, we we knew from earlier house hunting trips that we Roswell is where we wanted to live, so. That, that part was behind us. So, you know, whatever, I guess two days after Thanksgiving, I guess, we, you know, we started looking for a church. We had not done that yet. And we fairly quickly settled on the church here. We live, we live in Roswell. It made sense. There were a few other churches that we, uh, Ros, uh, Methodist churches that we went to, but this one we liked the best. And largely because of the youth group. Um, Pete Aubin, I, some of you know Pete, but Pete was here in those days. Um, it, our son really connected um, with the youth group. Our daughter, yeah, but not not like our son did. Our son was in middle school. My, my wife says, and looking back, she was right. It's a tough time for a boy to move in middle school. Our daughter was in high school, a pretty darn good swimmer. I mean, she automatically had friends because she was one of the better swimmers on the on the Roswell High School team, and so they, they kind of had to like her because you know she was a pretty good swimmer. Our son. He had he had a little bit of problem, not not a lot of problem by any means, but looking back, um, it, it was more hard for him. So the youth group here w- was a godsend. We were very happy to have that. So we we signed on here at uh, at, at RUMC. Um. Oh yeah. Then okay. So so you know involvement here. You know we started again. You know committees and t- me teaching kids Sunday school, all that stuff. So we we were you know well uh, well happy here at, at RUMC. Um, I, no doubt, and I bet everyone in here can say this, just, uh, but you know, I, I love this church. I, I just, I just do. Um, I, I, I honestly, and I think everybody, I'm not bragging, I think everybody here says this, I honestly look for ways to serve it. I'm very, um, 
committed to this church. If, if anybody, and there, there might be one, but if anybody in here just hasn't connected or hasn't, uh, put their heart and soul into it, um, you know, do it. I mean, we all have talents, uh, as, as weird as they may be, but, you know, talk to Nancy Lane. She'll, she'll find something for you to do. It's, I mean, we are the church. It's, it's, it's what we make it. So if, if we want this to be a good place, um, it's, it's up to us to make it a good place. And I know probably 99.9% of the people in here um, do that, but if you happen to be the one who doesn't, uh, please do. Um, if you know you get on these committees, Tim said it. I mean, I, that's how that's how I met Tim. You, you kind of learn. I mean, you know the inner workings of the church on some of these committees. Sometimes you learn more than than maybe you want to. Things aren't quite as smooth as they seem on the surface, maybe. But um, once you know these inner workings, you you know how to make it better. And um, we're we're expected to make it better. I mean, God put us here for a reason. It's not an accident that we all showed up in Roswell or here this morning, even for that matter. I mean, we're here for a reason, and we we need to take advantage of of our talents and uh, bring more souls to God and make just make this a better place. For me, I'm a mechanical engineer. Uh, when I went to the University of Florida, as probably everybody knows, fairly handy around the house, and. So for me, it, it made sense. Um, among the other things I did recently, I, I was fortunate, and, you know, served on, on the board of trustees. So I was able to put, you know, some of this kind of little bit handyman stuff, maybe, maybe not quite like Barney, wherever I saw Barney, but, you know, Barney's, you know, the expert handyman. But I was able to do some of that, you know, the, the, the business responsibilities I had managing the money and whatnot. I, I either, oversaw projects myself, or more often than not, oversaw the people who oversaw the project. So I, I kind of knew a fair bit about project management, how to get things done. So I was able to put some of that to work um, on the trustees. I've done other stuff, but most recently, that that's what I did. And the trustees, I mean, it, it's a team effort way of getting things done. Um, definitely not going to run through a list of projects we've done. That That's not the purpose here. But um, if anybody wants to talk about any of them separately, we can. Between Barty and I, we probably can cover most of the things. But some of the stuff you don't know. I mean, in the, in the chapel, did you know we put emergency lights in? Did you know we moved some of the pews for, for better wheelchair access? Did you know we moved some other pews so you could get the casket kind of around the corner without banging into the pews? Probably not. I mean, there's no reason you should. But the reason we did that is because... Um, involved church members said, hey, you know what you guys should do is this and that and the next. And that's how you know what to do, involved church members. So all of us need to be involved and suggest things to do. Um, God expects to do more than show up. He expects us to take care of this place. And, and, and you know, we're doing, we're trying to give it our best shot. And that's part of this redeeming God, restoring God's temple, redeeming God's temple stuff that I'm not going to talk about. But that's, that's part, that's part of what, what this is about. But often, um, even though responsible members or involved members, you know, give good suggestions, there's just not enough money to take care of everything. So, Hopefully everybody had a chance to go to the town hall meetings on debt elimination or see it online. I guess it's still online. I don't know if it is or not. But if not, you know, please do look at it. it, it it's definitely, it's worth, it's worth knowing. Maybe your position is, is such that it, it doesn't suit you right now. But regardless, it's a good thing to know about. Um, Tim said we're way short on the, he didn't say way short, but I'll say it. We're way short on the money. Um, but, you know, God's, God's the leader. We, 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 
pretty much trust that he's going to show us what to do. And, and obviously we know he's going to show us what to do. And, and, and we'll, we'll be all right. We'll, we'll come out of this fine. He'll lead us and, uh, we will follow. Um, there's, you know, a thousand things I do a bad job of, but one thing I think I do an okay job of is, is serving. There's tons of opportunity at this church, so it's not all that hard to do. Um, I'm very happy to lead an effort. I'm also just fine getting my hands dirty and sweeping the floor after it's all done. You know, I guess, I mean, I'm, I'm not my grandmother for sure, but, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm very happy, very willing to do whatever needs to be done. So together, if we, if we all pitch in together, you know, we'll, we, things will get accomplished for sure. Uh, here's a, here's a, uh, uh, whatever, a one minute warning. Tim always wants us to have a table topic. So I'll give you, you know, whatever, the next minute to think here as, as I wrap up. But today I thought it would, it would be, um, what, what do you do a good job? I mean, it's too easy to say what you do a bad job because we all have a big long list of that. What do you do a good job of doing here at church, hopefully, or at home or in the community or whatever? So be thinking of that. What do you do a good job of? Not, not that you couldn't do better, but what do you do a good job of doing? Um, okay, I'll, I'll wrap things up. Um, we're very fortunate. Both of our children and three grandchildren live here. Well, our daughter literally lives in Roswell. Our son lives in Marietta. Both are within, you know, our daughter 10 minutes or 5 minutes and our son 15 minutes from home. We're very lucky. Um, both, both, both of our kids, they graduated from the youth program here. Our son was confirmed here. Our daughter was married here. Excuse me. Two of the three grandchildren attend RUMCK. Next year, the third will start. She just hasn't been old enough, so next year she'll start. Um, our daughter's on the board of stewards. Our son and his uh, and his wife they um, teach at uh, OMC. Anybody? I know some. Every anybody know what OMC is? Probably organized mass chaos. It's the youth um, <laughs> group. What it, what it's called over there? They're the I think I think there's seventh or eighth grade teachers. I can't remember. They, they move with the kids as the kids gets older. The same teacher slash mentor whatever goes up with them. They're now separate. Uh, Alyssa does the girls. And Brian does the boys. When you're younger, you're, you're together. But at some point, the, the boys and the girls separate. So they're they're at that point now. I think it's eighth grade they do uh, now. Um, I I mean I like this church. I love this church. Um, no doubt about it. I want this church to be as um, important. <laughs> in in our kids' lives, you know, I guess our kids, but really my kids' lives, as as, as it is with me, and I kind of think it will be. They seem, hopefully, maybe, probably, started on the right, uh, started down the right road. I doubt there's any questions, but if there are, um, please ask, and, and I guess we'll move to table time if not. So, questions or. I've covered everything so well, I'm sure, huh? <laughs> okay, thanks, Tim. Thank you, Mike. All right, it's uh, we got some good discussion going on here. Feel free to continue it, but I do want to respect and honor everybody's time. It is 8 o'clock, so I just want to make sure that uh, I dismissed us on time or just a couple of minutes late. I want to first ask you a question. Who here... Got to know Mike better today. All right. Second question. Who here was encouraged or inspired by Mike's talk? Okay. So first of all, Mike, I want to, I want to thank you. Um, I loved your humility today. Really stuck up. 
But uh, but that's why we do this. Okay? And I called Mike, and I've called some of you, say, look, Tim, that's not me. I don't have a story, and I'm not good at it. Who thought Mike had a story today and did a good job of it? Alright, so that excuse no longer works. If I call, <laughs> you better find something different. Okay? So anyway, so I want to thank you so much. Barney, we're looking forward to hearing, hearing from you next month. And, um, we've got Michael Grant coming up. We've got Ted Moore coming up. We've got Jim Gephardt coming up. We've got a really good list of speakers. I, I didn't put it out there yet, but, uh, we've got some really, we've got some really great speakers and I hope you'll continue to join us.